Hey guys, my name is Olivia, and this is the Fat Ass Podcast. We are a podcast dedicated to all things food. Today's episode is COVID-19's impact on restaurants. Crystal and I will be discussing how a restaurant works and all the jobs that are being jeopardized this very moment. We also have some honorable mentions in the chef community and other industry-related news during this time. Thanks for the intro, Olivia. My name is Crystal, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode. These topics we are sharing today really hit home for us since most of our careers have been within the restaurant industry. We hope you take away an understanding of restaurant life after this. Also, we will be sharing ways to help our restaurant community via our social media, so please keep an eye out on Instagram. So Olivia, can you start us off by briefly explaining a little about restaurants? Sure. I wanted to explain a little bit about restaurants because there are a lot of moving parts to restaurants and not very many people know about that. So just think of all the job roles that are in a restaurant. So you got your hosts, your hostesses, bartenders, barbacks, servers, bussers, food runners, expediters, general managers, floor managers, HR slash payroll. You have your chefs. They can be either hourly or salary, generally salary, prep cooks, your AM, PM line cooks, dishwashers, etc. That's not even covering like everything else that uh, happens like behind the scenes in a restaurant. So I was just thinking about like all those jobs that are basically lost aside from maybe like a couple chefs maybe like a couple prep prep cooks but nobody really knows i mean i don't really know because i'm not working in a restaurant anymore but that's basically what runs a restaurant we also have to think about like who is the first to go like the host slash hostesses were definitely the first to go along with bartenders servers all hourly employees possibly prep cooks and possibly dishwashers so it's just uh just super crazy i feel like it's crumbling right now what do you think crystal I definitely feel the same way. I really feel pretty saddened by this whole event because, you know, us that were, I mean, we're not working in restaurants right now, but like I said, a majority of our careers has been, you know, living in them. And it's really difficult for people to even pick up their own regular shifts. Like how you were saying the people first to go, hosts, bartenders. Keep in mind, those people that are in those positions, they're not only just working at one restaurant. They're working at multiple places to get by because their shifts are small and their tips aren't always steady. Right. That kind of lifestyle, as hard as it is, and then now they have to file for unemployment or look for jobs that are potentially dangerous to our health at the moment. And it's, it, it is really sad and it is really crumbling because a restaurant's finances are just as tight as the people that are working in them. That's true, and yeah. Sometimes even even more, you know, a rent in L.A. is not cheap. You know, living in an apartment is not cheap. And especially owning a, a place of business is just horribly expensive. And they're not occupying that space. And they're not generating any income in those spaces. When the time comes for us to get back into it, I mean, who knows what kind of financial state those places are going to be in. And then insurance is through the roof. So we'll just, it just kind of keeps adding on. And people don't, you know, people that don't work in this private sector, they don't, they don't know what it's like. I mean, every, every job is hard, but a simple restaurant job, can be the hardest type of living. Yeah, that's absolutely true. When you first come in, I believe the first people who are to show up are generally the dishwashers 
or even sometimes the chefs and prep cooks and they start their day starting to prep out the items for the day. And then after that, I believe it's the, did I say prep cooks already? Prep cooks walk in and then you got your your servers. They start like setting up the table, start filling up waters, making coffee, whatever it is to set up for lunchtime or breakfast time. And then you have everybody else that comes in and then you have like eventually your bartenders that come in and then your runners, your expediters. And so that's basically like how a restaurant runs in a nutshell, not necessarily 100% how a restaurant runs. That's just, you know, the gist of it. And two, I wanted to talk about like the lack of benefits that restaurants have because almost every single restaurant that I worked at, nobody really had uh, medical insurance or nobody really had paid time off or anything like that. So just uh, think of those people who can't really utilize all of that. Yeah, like those things don't exist. Like it's kind of funny, like when you're first starting out, I mean, if you've never had a job before and you're really wanting to be a chef and get into this field, Um, you really take what you can get especially in small restaurants because those are the most exciting places to work at I think when it's a small place and the food is unique and they have their own you know team of people yeah your offer is going to be low especially if you have no experience and even at times when you're kind of in the midst of your career some places that you know a higher position they still cannot afford to give you medical health vision life insurance none of that is possible and unless if you're working for a you know the hospitality like if you're working for a hotel they have way better benefits for sure yeah i mean that's why a lot of cooks that come from a small place they actually transfer to hotels because of the benefits that they get and they'll sacrifice you know their their style of cuisine and their learning aspects just to you know have a stable income in a sense or you know easier way of living because the benefits are available to them it's crazy it's like yeah but a good majority of these places don't have those kinds of benefits that's why like i remember my uh chef professors would always tell me just think of the perks because there are not a whole lot of benefits but there are definitely a lot of perks that you could take advantage of when you are working for a restaurant so they always told me that working in a restaurant i I totally see that because there are some things that are like there are perks for sure yeah like if you were to work in a fine dining restaurant you know like for Thomas well I'm not going to shout names but like uh, you know (laughs) you know like the TK (laughs) I mean we love him you know he's great for um, you know our community and I just you know I'm inspired by him but to stage and intern at these places that are so high end you don't get paid people expect that the benefit is getting that name of the restaurant on your resume basically and that's huge already and that's huge already i mean it opens up the opportunity but yeah it's not a normal it's not a normal thing to work for free or you know work your regular hourly wage and then that's it for the day like it's not common for people that work in the medical field or people in education people that are working from home are are getting paid not everybody but most of them in different sectors and and we don't even have the option to work from home if we are in a restaurant or we are in hospitality right and it's just kind of it's crazy there's no options yeah there's no options one of the first things they tell you in culinary school i don't know if they said it to you to your class but they were kind of like you can't 
do this for money. You will never make any money. I don't know if they ever said that to you. That's yeah, like the they, first they definitely thing. had said that. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people are just kind of like, no, I do it, you know, for the passion. And it kind of makes you prove yourself in a way. But at yeah. times like this, I mean, like, what does it even mean? You know, people are really kind of questioning. There's a lot of anxiety and people are questioning, you know, how they're going to continue in their careers. I even have friends that worked in like production places. And they're kind of like, you know, I'm at ends me. I need to work anywhere. And so yeah. they're going to be on a different path. And I think a lot of people in the restaurant industry are kind of feeling the same way. So like everybody is, you know, already living paycheck to paycheck. It has definitely impacted everybody because people are already like scraping up every single penny that they have. This whole entire situation uh, with the whole COVID-19 happening made everything, I don't know, a lot worse for those types of people. So do you think I was the people gonna... will get their jobs back? Um, that's what I was going to say. I was thinking maybe most of them were probably laid off. And I was just wondering if they were going to get their jobs back after the lockdown is over. I feel like that depends on either the owners of the establishment or the managers of the establishment. Because I feel like it's kind of messed up to say, but, you know, if you bust your ass every day and if you're like, you know, a badass worker, they're going to get you back 100%. But also, I feel like it's a good way to filter out all the people who kind of suck at their job no offense like I understand I'm not (laughs) trying to be a a dick or anything but I just I feel like that's what's going to determine whether they're going to get their jobs back or not that's just my opinion (laughs) I mean because that's what's basically happening at my job because they're just using this as an excuse to kind of weed out the people that they wanted gone already oh geez so that's the way that's the way I kind of see it but I feel like restaurants are so desperate that they're gonna immediately hire these people back so it's already hard enough to scrape together a crew let alone scrape together a crew after this whole pandemic thing is over so I feel like a good majority of the people's jobs are definitely going to be secure well at least there's kind of a bright side to that I mean you know people that do work hard they do deserve to keep their jobs yeah the the people who work hard yeah (laughs) (laughs) but that's just kind of a funny perspective I didn't even think about looking at it in that kind of way I feel like it's kind of like the purge or I don't know is it is it the right movie to compare it to you know (laughs) it's just kind of like (laughs) yeah a lot of people you know probably too soon for that reference but all right um, I know like that might be a reality in a couple of weeks so (laughs) we're laughing about it now so we'll see people are still gonna survive though regardless yeah, I agree. I think I think people are st- are going to still keep their jobs. I think that's a fair opinion to have. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, from a business standpoint, it's a lot easier to kind of, you know, have people you already know, uh, regardless, to kind of carry on what you're already trying to do and, you know, catch up. But yeah, actually, right. there are some chef and restaurant groups that have banded together to talk to the government to help them out. Uh, one of the biggest issues was insurance. A lot of insurance companies, because there's this claim um, during these pandemics, and these claims can help them kind of get through the situation. And a lot of insurance companies were were not allowing restaurants to make these claims, and they weren't uh, waiving any policies and things like that. So um, the group themselves are calling Big Business Interruption Group. That's what it stands for. And um, some of the chefs that have been a part of this are Thomas Keller, Wolfgang Puck, Daniel Balud, and there's a lot more other chefs that kind of advocate this as well. 
but they were great. yeah it's it's really great and they were actually able to kind of uh you know get into the government and under the cares act that trump just set there is some money for uh for this part of the industry so there's some good news for people that you know can still actually make it the national restaurant association has predicted the industry could lose so much money in the next three months so kind of you know just that extra help that they can get is is really grateful really appreciative for all of that so yeah so there's still some some good stuff happening um that chefs are doing to to make things happen yeah and i feel like those people in general are like the voices for the culinary industry they're big voices so it's good that they were able to use their platform to you know voice all of that and make it happen so i'm you know hats off to them during this time for sure yeah i guess they were even able to really actually talk to trump and the result from trump is yeah he was actually very supportive um wow yeah he even read these insurance claims and policies himself which kind of you know i mean i think he totally i i 100 percent believe that he did that because you know he's big on insurance policies and uh, and money (laughs) so obviously that's something that's going to directly affect the economy i mean the private sector uh, restaurant industry food industry it makes up you know such a huge part of the u.s so yeah like the restaurant industry we generate so much money annually and to lose that amount over something that's out of the control is is really devastating so so there is some some light how much money was it to get an aid from the white house for the the congressional leaders Okay, so the CARES Act update is the largest economic relief package in U.S. history. The total of the whole um, CARES Act is actually $2.2 trillion. Oh, wow. Yeah, check this out. So $350 billion of that is going to be in loans for small businesses. $250 billion is going to be in enhanced unemployment insurance. You know, and a majority of the people applying for unemployment are, you know, in the Restaurant Association. Yeah, it's a good majority of the people, for sure. So yeah, I mean, it really helps out as much as it can just during this time. And there's still uh, people, you know, selling food and different ways that people are still part of the industry. For example, like I'm actually in food manufacturing and we're, you know, uh, we're luckily able to be open, produce food for people because it's packaged and there's a lot of other places like that as well so i think if anyone still wants to continue working in food because that's what they know how to do and they're really you know looking for jobs look for look for companies that are producing you know all the essential foods like yogurts or milk or Yeah, I'm sure they need help, too. This is also, like, a new age for the takeout and delivery apps, such as the Grubhub app, Postmates, Uber Eats, etc. And I feel like they're just thriving right now because we can't go out to eat in these establishments. I feel like this is a possible future because it requires less workers. So I feel like there's just going to be a little bit of a spike in that even after this whole lockdown is over in America. All of these takeout and delivery apps, it's, it's uh, you know, benefiting them because they're the ones getting a good majority of the business to all those who are purchasing food through these apps and through restaurants. So I had a story that I wanted to share about that. I went to, I think this was maybe like about a month ago. I went to meet and greet. I don't know if you've ever been there. Meet and greet. What is that? It's in the Palms area. Hmm. It's uh, fairly new, I want to say. can't really describe the food. It's just delicious food. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, generally, it's mostly like Asian food. Really, really good food. 
And I remember my boyfriend and I went inside of the establishment to pick up an order. And I was asking the owner. He was actually also cooking in the back. There was just him and some other guy just cooking, you know, cooking and and kicking ass, actually. And I was just asking him, I was like, hey, so, you know, since you can't have anybody come into your restaurant, how are you guys doing? Are you guys doing okay? He's like, well, thankfully, we have like a really strong, tight, you know, community in this area. And we've been busy all day and we have been nonstop. And I'm like, oh, that's good. Thank God, you know, it's hurting a lot of businesses during this time. So he was mostly getting a lot of orders through like Uber Eats and Postmates and Grubhub. All those apps are definitely benefiting his business right now. Crazy. It's just crazy how some businesses are thriving and most of them are, are you know, really hurting. I just, I, 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 my heart hurts for those little mom and pop shops. Yeah, my heart hurts for them too. But I think, you know, people uh, people come together, uh, definitely. I see uh, one of my predictions, I think, that's going to happen too during this time. I was just talking about it uh, yesterday. I was like, you know how so many people are, are staying home and actually, you know, learning how to cook, right? Like a lot of people, all you just see is quarantine cooking and, you know, trying all these different food trends. And I think if people are actually in their homes learning how to do these things, it kind of brings a new appreciation to people that actually do it for a living. And I think just kind of from that appeal going to a pickup or carry out or ordering from this specific restaurant because you know that they make like that kind of chicken or whatever I think it kind of broadens people's horizons and I I don't think it's gonna be devastating forever just from knowing how things are changing little by little and the delivery apps is a great uh, way for people to to get these foods you know whenever they can so are people selling food in your neighborhood because I see a lot of that stuff happening no, but I wanted to start doing that. <laughs> I have a menu already. Oh, really? Yeah, I wa- <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, I have a menu. <laughs> yeah, I have a menu typed out. I've been practicing on my bread making skills myself. Ooh. And I've been like trying to hone them again and trying to make simple foods that people would enjoy at their house the other day i was enjoying myself some flourless chocolate cake and that was pretty tasty yeah (laughs) i feel like that's the yeah i feel like that's like the perfect quarantine food i've been like trying to test out a couple things to sell but i should have it up by next week on neighbor next door so oh nice yeah i just need to make a little extra cash i I would love that that'd be awesome (laughs) yeah hopefully it works out i think that'll be really cool one of my other friends he's actually selling like cookie dough um just either yeah just either straight out cookie dough or like he'll bake a dozen off and stuff so like i see him posting stuff yeah a lot of people are really just kind of like uh getting in their kitchens you know, especially chefs, because I mean, you're just, yeah. you're not used to not making food, you know, like, what are you going to do at home? All you want to do is make food. I know. So I, mean- I know all, all day today. I'm not even joking. I was like, what am I going to do? Like I have absolutely nothing to do i don't want to watch tv i want to you know i want to do something i don't want to just sit here and be lazy so i ended up baking a cake (laughs) (laughs) the whole cake (laughs) no i i baked a cake yeah and then i like threw it in the freezer because i'm not gonna do anything with it i just needed something to do oh my god tell me why i have like a dozen pineapple empanadas in my freezer I've, I've been like saving it for a moment. I think Easter. I think Easter Sunday will be a good moment for oh, that. Oh yeah. Just a little side note. We're gonna just. Are you gonna make? What are you gonna make for Easter? Are you gonna make anything? 
Well, I have a pork roast. <laughs> I don't, I yeah, mean, you like, do. Of course I do. <laughs> Staple. Um, I, it's like, it's not that big. It's kind of small. It's like four or five pounds. Okay. I don't know. Oh, Jesus. I, it, for just you and your boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, just me and my boyfriend. For Girl, like, and then I have this whole spread of food that I'm going to oh make my by gosh. myself. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. I mean, like, yeah, I That's have awesome. it. So, yeah, probably yeah. that and potatoes because, you know, potatoes mm. are a good uh, quarantine food. They last a good while and you can do so many things with it. Um, yes. But, yeah, so I guess pork fest and potatoes. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, my gosh. That's wonderful Easter foods, Easter quarantine foods. <laughs> Yeah, so can't uh, wait for that. Okay, so going back to our topic, sorry, <laughs> sorry for straying away from that. You had some honorable mentions to okay. the chefs in yeah. the restaurant industry. Yeah, so, um, well, one, I just kind of give, I want to give respects to a chef named Floyd Cardoz. He's an Indian chef, and he passed away in New Jersey um, a couple weeks back. And he's actually pretty well known in our industry. Uh, he was recently on Ugly Delicious. He was, oh, yeah, okay. he was on an episode with Aziz Azari. That's not Dang. why he's famous, though. I just watched that one. <laughs> oh, did oh you man, I just watched. Yes. yes. Oh, so, oh my gosh. Yeah, rewatch it and, and check it out. Um, but yeah, that's not why he's famous. Uh, you know, he's been a chef for the for the longest. He opened up restaurants in New York and Dubai. And his first like really influential restaurant was a fusion restaurant in Manhattan called Tabla with restaurateur Danny Meyer. Right. Yeah, so when they started getting together and they just, you know, kind of kept going at it. He's really known, you know, kind of thinking outside the box i think uh you know being being someone from a culture that's very ingrained in you and, and coming here one of the most exciting things is seeing chefs play around and create flavors and, and that's what he did he's definitely missed in um you know in the chef world and restaurants he has a cookbook well he has two um i kind of just want to quote something he wrote in his cookbook so he says, my food, like my life, is a fusion of many different cuisines and cultures with subtle Indian accents. This was written in his cookbook, Flavor Walla. I think it got published in 2016. He contributed a lot. And I think, you know, he's been, I've seen a lot of chefs that I actually know from Wolfgang because, you know, he's kind of been around all over and worked with so many other chefs to kind of like help and guide and show different techniques. And I just hear nothing but great stuff about him. So yeah, he sounded wonderful. That's, yeah. That's so sad that he lost his life and it was to COVID-19 correct oh yeah it was directly from COVID-19 that is super sad that's that's that sucks because yeah I, I just watched that episode it's so weird so yeah weird. crazy um yeah and then another chef who is you know she's still alive Nancy Silverton I think that's pretty big news that she actually um has COVID and she's uh, self-quarantining right now a little you know recap on nancy silverton she's she's a legendary chef proprietor of matzah right now you know she was the brea bakery she she's been around for so long she's such a staple in the restaurant community here in los angeles <clears throat> so it's kind of funny her husband's recording her or documenting her <laughs> quarantine days and i guess the way she found out that she had covid was she made a really bad omelet like she was just cooking food for her <laughs> son yeah she was cooking food for her son and you know she's just like this is a shitty omelet you know and then that's when she's like and that's when i knew 
that <laughs> something was wrong with <laughs> She's me. She's like, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how she found out. Um, she actually got it through direct contact oh, with wow. somebody. Yeah, it's crazy. She, no kidding. Yeah, she doesn't have any symptoms or anything like that. But um, you can follow, you know, her journey, I guess, on um, her husband's blog, Um, So he just kind of, you know, talks about what, what she's been doing, uh, you know, not working. Um, yeah, I think that news hit really hard for me because I I mean probably for the both of us because she's huge when it comes to bread making I mean she started La Brea Bakery before she had sold it she's like this genius amazing woman who is like a bread bread goddess you know yeah just I feel like everything she touches turns not into silver like her name but into gold (laughs) yeah I just I just feel like she's just super talented and I I believe her uh, matzo place has a Michelin star correct yeah it has a Michelin star um she's actually of the because it's on this hospitality group from, you know, Batali. Um, but he right, recently, yeah. uh, you know, had to kind of transfer it over due to some legal matters. So it's actually <laughs> it's actually a part owned by Lydia Vassianich, who's actually probably my one of my top three heroes uh, in the food industry. She's like the Nona of all times. Um, so her <laughs> and Nancy Silverton are, are pretty much running the show um, with their name on everything. So... Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's I haven't been able to eat there because I can't afford it. The food looks amazing. And you, you just see that restaurant on so many different shows because they're so influential. So, yeah. Yeah, she had her own chef's table. <clears throat> yeah, her chef's table was awesome. It made me, I almost I know. wanted to cry. Like, I was tearing up when she was talking about La Brea. You know, we're a little side yes. talk. When she was talking about how, you know, her little bread making thing with Wolfgang, you know, transitioned to another thing. Then it got into mass production. And when it hit mass production, she was like, you know what? Like, I, I can't do this. She's like, I need to, like, control the food and actually, like, touch every loaf yeah. of bread. And then I was like, she's such a true chef. And I was like, that's how I yeah, feel Yeah, I respect like, that. Yeah, totally same, respect yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everything, like you said, was mass production at that point, and it was just mach- all machines, like nothing, nothing else, just machines. Yeah, and then that's when she ended up selling it. So mm-hmm. that's very respectable on her part. Good, yeah, good on her. But I hope she gets better, and nothing, you know. I her, I hope she also doesn't fall very ill because of the the virus. Um, and you wanted to talk about uh, private chefs. Um, So besides the honorable chef mentions that we have, uh, I kind of wanted to touch base on a couple different parts of the food industry that are also being affected. And one of them, and people don't really think about it, but private chef. Um, We have a lot out here in LA, you know, Beverly Hills celebrities, likely New York, I think like Florida and stuff. Um, A lot of tourism places have private chefs because people on the go or people that are super rich. And these private chefs are, are risking their lives just to come in every day. Like, it doesn't sound like they're going to be affected because they're just with a family. But families that are rich, they have an operation at their own home. And the private chefs that are working in them, you know, they really do risk their lives. People are coming in and out of those homes every day. You know, whether it's the housekeeper or the person that moans the lawn or the nanny you know, they encounter, you know, people on a daily basis. So it's been a really stressful time for them as well. I actually have a friend, he just recently quit working in restaurants so he can start his own thing. 
you know, now we're in the situation where, you know, is it is it worth it to risk your lives? I don't think so. <laughs> Not at that point. <laughs> right. It's like they're being forced to, to do it just because their clients are wealthy. Yeah. I didn't even think about private chefs until you had mentioned it. Yeah. I recently read this article on Eater.com where he kind of interviews just a couple people. One is from California. It's a woman named Katerina. And she's been working as a private chef for eight years just exclusively to one family. Now the family is actually practicing social uh, social isolation. She's pretty much, you know, kind of, it's either she stays in that home and doesn't leave or she's out of a job. Their jobs are also solidified. I feel like private chefs, if they're, you know, like I said, if they're doing a good job, I feel like their <laughs> jobs are solidified and they'll be welcomed back into the homes of whoever, whomever they're cooking for. Yeah, and a lot of online services for private chefs have grown um, over the past couple years. So now those people are getting hit, like a couple services. Uh, I haven't heard of this one before, but uh, My Table, Take a Chef, Cozy Meal, and Table at Home um, are really popular services that private chefs are using. And then, you know, now oh. we're kind of at that point where like, you know, should we book? Should we cancel? You know, they're living paycheck to paycheck. So it's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, especially in California. I don't know. I can't be a private chef. It's already stressful as it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. cooking for your own family is stressful. Imagine doing it for somebody else's. And then Yeah, so much pressure. I mean, like I love seeing the food that these chefs get to do because of the, you know, obviously if a family wants to eat a certain way and they have money, like some of these chefs, they get to make the most delicious seafoods and steaks and like really cool stuff. Or like if they want to be really healthy, they get to buy all that, you know, like whole food stuff and but now it's kind of like it's either the family is gonna cook themselves or they're gonna like be actually part of that family and they can't even see their own yeah one of my other friends he he was doing it for a few years and he was he was under a lot of stress because i think his chef mentor was like a celebrity i don't know the thing is like once they start doing all the celebrity things it kind of goes chaotic yeah and i feel like it also gets to some people's heads too yeah like imagine not knowing when you can book your own vacation because that family is going on vacation right yeah like you basically have to go on vacation with them it's pretty crazy. And as far as like, uh, you know, besides private chefs, there's also a big part of the industry, um, the hospitality industry, which includes, you know, hotels and tourism. Um, now that sector, they pull in a lot of money per day. They're going to lose yeah, more. Yeah, every single day. Yeah, every single day. I mean, you know, for Seasons, Marriott, they're, they're going to lose more than $200 million in a room revenue per day due to COVID-19 so wild that's so much if you think a restaurant has a lot of moving parts the hotels itself because it's a restaurant and a hotel that's even more moving parts because you also have in-room dining that's a whole other you know ball game and then too the graveyard cooks then the night the night shift the graveyard shift those people are all losing their jobs as well yeah, I read an article um, in regards to the uh, Marriott International. All over the U.S., they have about thirty-three thousand hotels, and that's just U.S., not international. They're the largest. Right. They're the largest hotel company. Uh, they have one point four million rooms, but they've started to having furloughing employees at all levels. They're not going to be paid during the fur- uh, furloughment, but they'll still receive their benefit, their health benefits, but they just won't get paid. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's even taking a. T- I wouldn't believe it actually is going to take a toll on the executives of this company, but uh, the CEO, R. Sorensen, cannot pronounce his name, Sorensen, 
Oh my gosh, not even that hard. An executive, cha- okay. an executive chairman, Bill Marriott Jr., they're going to receive no pay for the entire year. And the rest of the executive team will take a 50% pay cut. Like, they don't even have a choice at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, they make millions of dollars per year. So imagine, like... Oh, <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> They'll be okay. They're okay. It's just kind yeah, of Yeah, they can sell, like, they could sell, like, five of their cars. <laughs> They'll be fine. They can donate their mansions. Put it up on Airbnb real quick. It's fine. They'll they'll get their money back. <laughs> yeah, I hope they can get their employees back because, you know, as soon as it's over, they're going to try yep. to open up more hotels. And then a lot of people may or may not want to be a part of it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that's insane. Yeah. Like, I remember some of my old coworkers from the hotels, as soon as this was happening, they were kind of, you know, talking about how they're being treated and, and things like that. And a lot of it was kind of unfair. They didn't believe they had to use, you know, some of their earned pay you know some of their earned time off just to pay for something that's out of their control you know so it kind of yeah that's not fair to them so it it really is changing people on so many different levels so yeah how do you feel about your place of work my place of work um well i'm currently working i mean i'm in the kitchen now i worked in the kitchen what was it last tuesday what i don't even know what day it is right now but i worked last tuesday i worked eight hours nonstop, just cooking my life away with this other lady who's pregnant i was yeah i was just busting my butt like the whole entire time and we got done we got so much done during eight hours it's insane like and that was like my first time back in the kitchen in a long time like officially back in the kitchen and my back was killing me oh my yeah so i'm gonna work another shift like that i think it's on sunday Okay. I mean, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it because my boss really wants me still there. And she even told me, she's like, please don't quit. I was like, okay, I won't. Good. Yeah, so it's good <laughs> to know that my job is somewhat solidified. Yeah, the people that are actually hard workers yeah. are... <laughs> I was not throwing <laughs> that the out there at all. Someone said that to me earlier, I don't remember. Oh, God. Yeah, you know, the people yeah. that deserve to work. No. <laughs> I know, I was totally talking about myself. No, um, <laughs> no, but I, I'm feeling... I'm feeling pretty good about it only because it, it's good to like hear that my boss really wants me to be there and I'm like really really happy that she put me back in the kitchen because I mean I, I can't work in the office there's nothing to do in the office anymore so I mean I hope that her business continues to thrive and I hope that none of us lose our jobs at the end of this I hope that she continues to to keep the business afloat so far so good right I mean if I still have my job technically yeah I think she definitely will and uh, you know where there's a will there's a way and people want to continue working people want to come together and get things done it may not always you know be that easy or it may not seem like it in a way but I think so and uh, I actually have some links to share if you want to help people in the restaurant industry yes. there's a lot of and you can even look this up in your local restaurants all over the US not just LA all these places Places that you know kind of make food you can order delivery from them a lot of restaurants are doing gift cards for future use those are little ways kind of you know help contribute in small amounts yeah keep the businesses um, afloat too yeah there's something called a dining bond initiative that's happening in certain places as well you can buy gift certificates at a 25 percent discount 
and then you can redeem it in the future or however the restaurant decides to honor the bonds. And then if you want to kind of go directly into helping these large organizations that help run restaurants all over, the James Beard Foundation a Food and Beverage Industry Relief Fund, just, just look at James Beard Foundation. I mean, they do everything for chefs. They have so much information that'll help you kind of if you want to give a donation or if you just want to learn about different micro grants for your own business, they have a lot of info there. Restaurant Employee Relief Fund led by the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation. That's a huge one as well. Nice. So, um, yeah, we're going to post these up too on our social media for anyone to kind of uh, keep an ear on and, and really get into the know about how to how to keep restaurants alive because you're eventually going to go back to them and you're eventually going to want them around. So there's no reason why if you have the to help or just have an understanding, it goes a long way. Yeah, all the links are going to be in the description of the, like if you're listening right now, they are in the description part of our podcast on any platform that you're listening to. So thanks everyone for listening to our show today. And if you'd like to hear more of the Fat Ass Podcast, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Anchor FM, and so much more. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Also, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. With more reviews, we can produce an even better show for your enjoyment. You can also follow us on Instagram at Badass Podcast, Twitter at Badass Official, and Facebook at The Badass Podcast. We post recipes, tips, and upcoming info on all our episodes. Stay tuned, stay safe, and stay home. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye! Bye.